And while we continue to pray, Lord, we ask that you would give us ears to hear what you want to say to us this morning. Lord, we bless you because you are holy. We thank you that you are a loving God who desires that we would grow to be like you. And Lord, we pray this morning that we would grow to be like we like you as we respond to your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. When I uh, <clears throat> saw the summer worship roster <clears throat> a few months ago, I was rather perturbed to see that I was down to speak on holiness. And two thoughts immediately sprung to mind. Firstly, how on earth does one get to grips with this subject, especially in 55 minutes? Uh, Sorry, I mean 20 minutes. (coughs) And the second thought that occurred to me was, should I go and ask Tom to change my date of preaching? And I suspect I knew what the answer would be. But it convicted me. And I started off on an odyssey, if you like, of exploring holiness for perhaps the first time in my life, trying to really dig deeper in what it meant to be holy. And it was both a very challenging and is a very challenging but also deeply rewarding experience. So I wonder if this is a first for someone to be convicted by the preaching roster But our lives, my life is, I sometimes liken it to a picture of a beautiful seaside scene. The tide is in, everything looks glorious. And you think, wow, fantastic. But then the tide goes out and we see some of the reality of the coastline of our lives, don't we? We see the rusty tin cans, the discarded wellies, the barnacles and the seaweed the sprung ribs of long-discarded fishing vessels and the gently spinning wheels of the rusting supermarket trolleys. And sometimes we feel, my life is a mess. There's so much in my life that is not pleasing to God. There's so much in my life I want God to change. And then the tide comes in again and covers all that rubbish And the glorious thing is that this tide that comes in is the covering of righteousness that Jesus gives us when we come to him. Despite the rocks and the barnacles and the seaweed and the broken things in our life, Jesus, when we come to him, covers those things with his salvation and with his grace. It's wonderful, isn't it? This divine paradox of us having been saved and now daily being saved and one day we will be saved. When we come to Christ, we are saved for eternity. But then begins the work of making us holy that Jesus does, making us more like him, the work of sanctification. And that is a lifetime of work. And then that glorious day will come when we see him face to face when we kneel in wonder and we thank him for what he's done for us in saving us. And we will then truly be like him because we will see him as he is, the Bible says.
It's such a glorious thing. But there's a challenge in this, isn't there? The being saved bit is the challenge. The call to holiness. How do we respond to God's call to holiness that echoes down every chapter, every book of the Bible? God commands us to be holy through the law and the Psalms and the Proverbs and the prophets. Be holy because I am holy, God says. And it's not just an Old Testament command. Peter, in 1 Peter 1.16, repeats the Levitical imperative to be holy because God is holy. And again, Peter in chapter 2 verse 9 says, we are a holy priesthood. And two verses later, requires us to abstain from sinful desires. And Paul doesn't let us off either. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1, he says, live a life worthy of the calling you have been called to. And Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, presents us with a task so impossible that we cannot do it on our own. And that's the point, isn't it? On our own, it is impossible to be holy. And Paul says this wonderful sentence in Philippians 1 verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion Until the day of Jesus Christ, sanctification, making us holy, is a work of Jesus. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. It is a work of God, the the triune God, working in collaboration to make you and me holy. But he requires our cooperation, doesn't he? And Paul speaks in Romans 12 about presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. Why? So that God can make us holy. And as a preacher many years ago said, the problem with a living sacrifice is it keeps crawling off the altar. And that's certainly me. And I suspect you might be able to sign up to that as well. So we have a problem with holiness, don't we? But we have a way into holiness, which Jesus gives us. And I'm now going to come Uh, ask Hugh if he would come and read us uh, today's reading, which opens the door into holiness. The reading is taken from John chapter 15, verses 1 to 11. The vine and the branches. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, 
you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burnt. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Thank you, Hugh. So the challenge to holiness is resolved in Jesus Christ. The vine was an everyday symbol in Israel. The vines uh, throughout Israel. Israeli wine is very good today. And so a very familiar sight to Jesus' audience. And the vine in the Old Testament is very often synonymous with Israel itself. But Israel was a faithless vine. We read chapters like Isaiah 5. We read Psalms like Psalm 80. And it's very clear that Israel only ended up producing bad grapes. God wanted to bless the world through his people. But his people were incapable of keeping his law. And so Jesus says... At the start of this chapter, I am the true vine. I am the ideal vine. I am the one who is going to deliver the kingdom of God. I am the one who my father through me is going to make all things well. And our task is to link ourselves into Jesus immovably. And this whole thing of holiness is being connected to Jesus. The branches, part of him, inseparable, intimate, drawing sap from Jesus the vine. Do we want eternal life? Do we want to be holy? The connection between Jesus Christ and the believer is vital and necessary. And Jesus goes on to say in verse 2 that there are branches that don't bear fruit. And the vine dresser, the gardener, God, will cut them off. And as one explores what this might mean, it's clear that most commentators say these are people who actually are unbelievers. People who make a play of being Christians, of followers of Jesus but ultimately don't follow. And the example that we're dealing with as we read through these particular chapters of John is, of course, Judas. In chapter 3 of this, in verse 3 of this chapter, Jesus says, you are all clean. And that takes us back two chapters to chapter 13, verse 10, where Jesus says, you are clean, but not all of you. And it's at the end of that chapter that Judas disappears to betray Jesus. And the chapter ends 
dramatically saying, and it was night. And so Jesus here in chapter 15 is talking to the 11, the 11 disciples who are clean. And those who are not, those who are not in the vine, those who are not following Jesus, in verse 6 we hear, are gathered up and put on the fire and are burned. And hell is very real. Jesus speaks more about damnation and hell almost than he does about glory and heaven. Jesus knew the reality of what it would be to be cut off from him for eternity. And that challenging parable of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke 16 gives us an insight into the horror of an eternity without Christ, where the rich man cries out to Abraham, would you send Lazarus down just to dip his, tongue, his finger in water and put it on the end of my tongue because I'm in agony in these flames. There are only two alternatives as far as eternity is concerned. One is to be eternally with Christ in joy, enjoying everything that God wants to give us in a new earth. And the alternative, the Bible makes very clear, are the fires of hell, the lake of fire. We must be saved. We must come to Christ. And I urge anyone here who does not know Jesus, anyone listening on the live stream that does not know Jesus, Surrender your life to him. Repent of your sins. Ask him to make you a new creation. And come and embed yourself in the vine. And flourish. And be holy. And live forever. We must be saved. Now there is a possible alternative reading to uh, being cut off from the vine, because the Greek word used here is aero, which means to lift up or bear up, where we get our word aeroplane, amongst others, from. And commentators have said that this speaks, perhaps, of those weak branches in the vine that the vine dresser lifts up onto a trellis so that they're out of the mud and so that they can get more air and light and thus be fruitful. And I think there's some truth in this. When I was a young Christian, uh, it was easy. I found it easy to follow Christ when I was at Sandhurst in 1980, training to be in the army. It's fantastic. I loved it. And I found it easy to speak about him when the opportunity arose. But when I joined my regiment, I suddenly had this fear that I was going to be with people for the rest of my working life and I was going to be different. And I allowed that fear to get the better of me. And I started to walk away from Christ. And for two years, I had this appalling experience of being in between the two. It really was prodigal son stuff. I don't have time to go into it now. But it was dreadful. And people have said, 
If you are in a backslidden state, if you're not following Jesus with all your heart, you can neither love God nor can you sin with impunity. And it's absolutely true. You're stuck in the middle. You know Jesus is real. But you can't stop sinning. And it was through some extraordinary circumstances on a train traveling through Germany when I was at the end of myself and knew not what to do other than I had to make a final decision whether to bin God or bin sin that some people met me on that train and God engineered a set of circumstances that I could never have dreamt of. And on that train journey, it was as if Jesus was saying to me through those people, I love you, I love you, I love you, I still love you, and I still want you. And that was a turning point for me. And maybe we look at our lives and we say, yeah, I'm a branch, I believe in Jesus, I'm trying to follow him, but I'm weak. And I'm sinning, I'm stuck in sin. Maybe there are people here or listening on the live stream who are backsliding, who don't know how to stop sinning, don't know how to get back to God. And today you can be free of that. Today, Jesus can forgive you and change your life like he changed mine on that train and give you another chance. Isn't that wonderful? And then Jesus goes on to talk about the branches that are bearing fruit. And these God prunes so that they bear more fruit. And that pruning can be a painful experience. It's getting rid of sin. It's getting rid of those things that block our relationship with Jesus. Some of them happen quite quickly. Some of them take years to sort out. Some of them need direct intervention of the Holy Spirit. But as living sacrifices, God calls us to play a part in Jesus' sanctifying work. And there's no shortcut to this. It's the disciplines. It's the walking with him. Jesus says in this passage, doesn't he, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. It's walking with him daily and trying not to walk away from him. It's reading his word. How can we follow him if we don't know what his word says? How how much time do we spend in the word compared to the time we spend on social media. It's praying and learning to pray and spending time in a love conversation with Jesus. There are no fancy words to learn. It's talking to our Heavenly Father, talking to our Saviour in ordinary language. It's real Christian fellowship. It's real accountability to each other. I've got a friend Uh, who's ex-army, and we meet together every so often. And we share what's going on. And we share our struggles. And we share our difficulties over sin. And we share our joys and our hopes and our aspirations. And then we pray for each other. It's great. We spend a day together. It's absolutely lovely. And it's absolutely vital that we are accountable to each other because then we are covered by somebody else's prayer. And somebody else's care. And Jesus can speak to us through those people. And if we're seeking to walk in a manner worthy of our calling, if we are trying to walk by the Spirit so that we don't 
do the desires of the flesh, then God will do it for us. He will, he will. It will happen. We will become fruitful. And we will develop holiness almost imperceptibly sometimes. And we'll look back and say, goodness me, I didn't realize how much I've changed in that area. Thank you, Lord. But how much time do we spend pursuing holiness compared with earthly things? And Jesus talks about earthly treasure and heavenly treasure and where our heart really is. And how much time we spend in these spiritual disciplines is an indication of how passionate we really are about holiness and about bearing fruit for God. While I was thinking about this, um, God took me for a walk in my, in, in my garden. That sounds a bit, um, I'm not, not quite, I was walking in the garden <laughs> in the cool of the day. Actually, it was quite hot. And God showed me a picture uh, of what this looks like. And I've got a few um, photographs to show you. Uh, a few years ago, Marin and I bought two roses. Um, it's the famous genus Rosum Climiupum. And they're identical. They're red roses. And we planted them. And it's amazing the difference in those roses. Kate, can we have the first photograph? Here's the first rose. Miserable thing. It's weak. It produces the occasional bud. And many yellow leaves. And it's desperate to hang on to the trellis that you may or may not be able to see in that photograph. For life. It's struggling Here's the second rose. They were identical when we bought them. It's a glorious rose. It's unbelievable. I can't stop it growing. Shoot, 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 shoot. And the blossoms are quite amazing. Here are the two by comparison. They stand next door to each other in our garden. And God said, that's the difference. On the left, as we look at it, is the person who's not bearing fruit. And Jesus may bear them up if they're willing to collaborate so that they start to bear fruit. Or if they're not up for it. If they're in those two types of soil in the parable of the sower, the rocky soil or the soil with weeds, they're not going to make it. And they're going to be collected. And they're going to be thrown on the fire. And they're going to be burnt. And the one on the right, as we look at it, is the person who is bearing fruit in abundance. Look at this. That's that second rose and part, only part of his crop. And this passage tells us that God derives great joy when we bear fruit for him. And Marion and I love watching this um, rose blossom and flourish. Incidentally, it's the rose I was pruning when I fell off the ladder and broke my back. (laughs) And I was trying to see whether there was a, 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 a sort of scriptural analogy for that, and I couldn't find one, so I decided to move quickly on. But look at that fruit. Absolutely glorious. And that's God's aspiration for us. Are we willing to collaborate such that we might be fruitful like that? Look at this next picture. I don't, think, I don't know if you can see this very well, but there is a very strong branch growing out of that main shoot. You can, there's two photographs of the same thing. It's green. It's very strong. It's, um, 
going to produce fruit. But I cut it off because it wasn't part of the plan and the concept I had for that rose. I didn't want that branch to grow in that way, healthy though it was. And there it is lying on the patio. And there are things in our lives sometimes which are of themselves perfectly good and perfectly right for somebody else, but may not be good for us because God has other things he wants us to focus on. And sometimes we have to set these good things aside in order to bear fruit the way God wants us to. When I was in Bulgaria recently, we were doing an Alpha evening with Orthodox military Christians, trying to introduce them to Alpha in the Orthodox context. And the session that the Alpha team led us on was, who is Jesus? And in our small groups, we had to answer two questions, one of which was, if you could ask Jesus one question, what would it be? Interesting to think about that, actually. But one of our Bulgarian military friends said, I'd ask Jesus, what do you want me to give up? And that's a serious question. Because therein lies the scope for the things God wants us to do. To flourish and take up the space that is currently occupied by those things that are of lesser import. And God actually doesn't mean for us to pursue for good. So it's not just the pruning of the sinful and the bad things, but it's a pruning out of those things which are a distraction that God doesn't have for us in our Christian characters. And we need to be open to the Holy Spirit. And so back to that branch that was cut off. Five days later, it's dead. And it's now at the uh, the communal tip. And so, which are we? Final picture. Which is a more accurate picture of you and me? And if it's the left-hand picture as we look at it, do not despair. Because God is here in his power and his love to change your life and to forgive you your sin. And to set you on your feet. And to lift you up. And to enable you to bear fruit. If you are willing. And if in honesty it's the picture on the right. And for many here it will be. Then the Lord would say. Fantastic. Well done. But there's more. I want to prune you. So you bear more fruit. And glorify my father even more. It's not a standstill game, this. If we're plugged into the vine, then Jesus will feed us the nourishing sap of the vine that will enable us to grow if we are willing. And so we're going to conclude. I'd like to ask three questions. Would you mind closing your eyes? Let's pray, shall we? Are you... Are you Christ's? Do you belong to Jesus? Or are you outside the vine? Is your walk with God a lie? Unreal? 
Jesus says, come to me. And I will do a wonderful work of regeneration in you such that you can bear fruit. Are you unfruitful, stuck in sin, not knowing how to get out of it? Today, you can be forgiven and set free to walk on a new journey with the Lord. And are you fruit bearing? Do you want to bear more? Do you want to flourish more? So that God will be glorified and Jesus' joy and yours and mine would be complete. Lord Jesus, we humble ourselves before you. Lord, I don't really know what to say except please come. Please come and do your nourishing, regenerating, reviving work amongst us. Please come, Lord. And visit us with your salvation. Visit us with your grace and your mercy. Forgive us our sin, Lord. Forgive us our waywardness. Forgive us our carelessness with the disciplines you give us in order to walk close to you. And Lord, we want to say to you today, we want to bear fruit for you. I'm going to invite you, if you would like to receive a touch from the Lord. If anything in this talk has stirred you, challenged you, and you'd like a touch from the Lord, would you come up to the front? And we're going to say a prayer over you. As the band lead us in a worship song, the the words will appear later on the screen. It's a very familiar song. If you would like to receive from the Lord today, salvation you'd like to receive from the Lord today forgiveness you'd like to receive from the Lord today the ability to produce more fruit come forward and be blessed by him